Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're episode 301 yeah. without balloons. That's all right. We, we, are, we have no celebration. We're in a new uh, a new century of our of our podcast. <laughs> so this would be like the fourth century. Yeah, this is our fourth <laughs> century of uh of Pierce Podcast, and we are we are making episodes still after after over 300 episodes. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see where we go from here. I mean, if you look back, I, I do that every once in a while, kind of look back at some of our older stuff. Uh, you know, and then there's there's the obvious things like the way we look or the way we how the setting, you know, has changed a little bit over time and even thumbnails have changed, but uh, just reselling has changed. We talked about that in our last episode, but uh, there's some things that have stayed the same. And uh, one of the things that stay the same is we always do update episodes and we love our update episodes because it's our opportunity to talk about what's going on in our reselling life, what's going on in the reselling world in general, give you some some amazing, juicy, delicious bolos. You and the juicy. Yeah, I got to come up with some more uh, adjectives to describe them, some more uh, fantastic adjectives to describe the absolutely amazing, glorious, wonderful uh fluffy bolos that we're going to give you fluffy i don't know fluffy is usually that it's seen as like no substance i mean okay so not fluffy okay we should move on all right uh <laughs> all right. so stay tuned for our bolos towards the end of the episode so some interesting things though i gotta ask you so i feel like i've been gone for a long time but it's only been i think five six days since we recorded our last episode yeah no maybe it's more no it was a bit two more weeks. it was two weeks was it two weeks two weeks Something yeah because like we had to record those 4 30 in the morning episodes mm-hmm Okay, now, did you go on vacation before your last, before our last update episode? Did we talk about your trip? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. I was in Arizona. Okay, we did. All right, we did. All right. See, that's why I'm trying to just catch up where we are here. This is organic, okay? This is live. Your memory is uh, fading. It is. It is. There's just so much going on. But how have things been going for you? Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Pretty typical as far as... Uh, reselling is gone for me. I've, uh, except for, I, I do well most of the time at garage sales. And the last time I went out on garage sales this last week, I, I pretty much was skunked. I mean, not completely skunked. There were things I could have picked up and, and flipped for some profit. If I was desperate, I would have done that. So if it was episodes one through a hundred, you would have picked it up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> See, there is growth though in reselling. There's growth. So part of it is Part of it is just the space that I have. I talked on a previous episode about the fact that I'm planning on moving, will be moving uh, within the next year or so. And so I don't want to have, I don't want to deal with going through a move and moving a bunch of junk, moving stuff that's low profit items. Even if the ROI is high, if it's just, it can be high ROI, but a low total profit. You're only talking about 10, 15 bucks and it's a decent sized item or it's just a bunch of them. Might not be worth moving especially if I've got higher end items that can move easier and, and it makes it more worthwhile. So I'm trying to be a little bit pickier with the things I'm picking up. That being said, uh, I was kind of skunked this last time around. I got a handful of things that'll make me some profit, probably a little over $100 in profit. I only went to four garage sales. And part of the reason I only went to four garage sales, I feel like you have to make, get you got to do the, the math as far as the cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. And one of the cost benefit analysis I'm going through right now is driving distance location and gas right that's part of it and then the competition so one of the things is if i were to drive a little bit more into town i live pretty far outside of san diego like the city proper as it were if i were to drive a little bit closer to civilization yeah the the urban areas of san diego if i were to drive into those spots there were a lot more garage sales this last weekend. Not not as many as have been in the past, but there were more than what was in my area. In my actual community, what was within maybe 15 minutes of drive from me, there was only five garage sales. So my thought process was I can drive and spend the gas and go to where there are more garage sales. However, it's a higher concentration population. There's more garage sales here. There's probably going to be more competition. So it's like a trade-off, right? Like I can go to where there's more garage sales, but there's also going to be more resellers at these garage sales. And whether you want to say it or not, sometimes certain neighborhoods, you don't want to go. Yeah, some neighborhoods aren't worth I know some I've gone to and I keep going like, oh, maybe this time, maybe this time. And just never worth it. I'm just like, I'm just not going back. Yeah. So sometimes it's not worth certain neighborhoods and you got to figure out what where those are for you. 
But I had to decide, do I do I drive there? Do I drive into town? There's a lot more garage sales, but there's going to be more competition. Or I can go to these four or five in my area, knowing that I'm probably not competing against many, if any, resellers at all. The only resellers I'm going to compete against are other resellers in my neighborhood because nobody's driving 45 minutes to go to one or two garage sales unless they're like amazing neighborhood garage sales and there's community, something like that. If it's just a, a few one-offs, Nobody's driving out. No, there, I so. won't. I won't do it. Yeah. I mean, if it's a community one, I'll drive an hour. Right. Right. Sometimes I've driven like an hour and a half. But if it's yeah, if it's only one or two, it's just not worth it's it. It's not worth it. So my thought was, OK, there's only going to be a handful here, but I don't have the competition. It just turned out that the ones I went to, you know, and you pull up and it's just baby clothes. <laughs> that if there's anything that turns me away from a garage shows when I'm driving up and I just see stacks of baby clothes and then you see what are those things that the. You put those things that you keep kids in so like you can like work hey. <laughs> the saucer thing that they jump around in. Right. Like a walker. It's been a while. No, not the water. There's just that jumping, like a they're bounty. just jumping the bouncing thing. Right. Man, it's been that long. Okay. But whenever I see any of those, especially when I see like a line of those, I'm like, it, it's not worth my time. Sometimes, sometimes there are baby ninety percent of the time. True. Let us know in the comments if you see baby clothes. Is that a sheer sign to just run away? There may be other things at the garage sale. It's part of the thing. You never know. You should at least check because there could be other stuff. But if the vast majority of it's baby clothes, you're probably not going to do well there. Now there are certain things. There are car seats. There are strollers. There are certain things that are very valuable, and then there's a huge market for. In fact, uh, my wife and I actually picked up. A, uh, a stroller recently uh, offer up flip that I think we're going to be able to make a few hundred dollars on. Nice. And it, it's a, I don't know whether it's actually pronounced Uppa or Upa baby. Uh, one of those two, I've heard it both ways, but the person was selling a full kit, totally the, the, all of the pieces you could possibly get. And because it's very the upgradable, options. yeah, it's very upgradable and they were selling it for stupid cheap. And so we picked it up. And so there are definitely some baby things that are True. worth picking up. You know, I just picked up a Bob stroller for $2. I saw that out there. I saw that out. <laughs> you actually just saw it when you walked into the yeah, studio I saw the Bob out there. Uh, so there are certain things, but it just, you never know. Sometimes you take the risk. And had I gone to where there was 20 garage sales, 25 garage sales, I may have found more things that were profitable. However, I could have also been skunked also and been dealing with the gas prices so you really just you take a risk every time uh so i'm interested to know if anybody wants to leave in the comments below what is the process you go through when trying to decide what neighborhoods you go to for garage sales is it the total number that are available is it the neighborhood itself if it's a if it's an affluent neighborhood or are you trying to avoid affluent neighborhoods and go to more middle class neighborhoods what is your your go-to how are you picking and strategizing which which garage sales you're going to, or are you trying to stay local? Is gas a priority for you? Uh, what what determines whether or not you're hitting those garage sales or not? Yeah, I have found that affluent ep, uh, episodes, affluent neighborhoods, depending where they're at in San Diego, there are some I just won't go to because most of the people are house poor, like meaning they have a really nice house, but all their money is going to. I think that's how you say it. House rich. House rich. Right. All their money is going into the house like they have. And you know that because all their uh, all their furniture, everything they have looks like, you know, it's all from like Walmart or Target or then no offense. Don't get me wrong. I That's where I get to my stuff, too. But I don't spend money on high end stuff on that. That's just not my thing. But, you know, usually it's like, you know, a home goods kind of deal, like everything on there is with those nice little quotes and everything. And you're just like, there's nothing collectible here right and i go to the older neighborhoods which aren't as affluent and there are people i've been in the community for 50 60 years and they end up having a lot of vintage goods and so on so and part of that could be over time part of that could be very specifically connected to like where we are in san diego or you're talking a small two or three bedroom house is going for close to a million dollars so it's pretty well so it's different different parts of the country is going to look different where you know you can have a nice house and and not necessarily be pouring all of your money into that so what what might be house rich areas in our community for your neighborhoods and communities that might not be the case the other thing that you can run into when you're dealing with very wealthy not just people who 
have a nice house, which honestly, I think real estate wealth is probably better than stuff wealth that's going to depreciate because at least real estate goes <laughs> yeah. up. I'd rather be house rich and stuff poor than stuff rich and house poor. If, if it came I think there's a it. balance. I, I, no, I don't really think so because it, everything inside your house is going to go down in value. The house is not going to go but down But if in value. all your money, like if you're just working to pay the mortgage every month, that's a miserable existence. It, it could be. Yeah. I mean, you could certainly feel miserable going through that, but over the long run, you might build more wealth. So it really depends on your your point. Some people could say the amount you hustle reselling seems like a miserable experience. Yeah, yeah I go see nine that. To five. Yeah. So it just depends on how you look at things. Uh, but one of the things you can run into when you go to the very wealthy neighborhoods, some, and, and I don't think that you can do it like, like on a whole neighborhood. I think this is just case by case. But some of, this has been my experience, some of the most wealthy people, either one, are willing to give their very expensive stuff away for almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, I don't really care. I've got lots of money. So I don't know, throw them out a number, a couple bucks, take it. You could just have it. Sometimes you run into those. And then other times you run into the ones where uh, they are so disconnected from where the average person is money wise that they're like, I don't know, 200 bucks for that. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is, I ran this into that this last week. But yeah. to them, the money, they, they don't they don't understand how the, the middle class or lower middle class lives and how money works for them. So they're going to give a high number because to them, anything under hundred bucks is when that is that even really money is this even worth my time yeah so my line always is when it's crazy like that it's always like i don't know and when they ask me what are you thinking i always say well i was thinking garage sale prices and that kind of softens the blow if i end up giving a low number usually i wait for them to give me the low number but uh yeah i get it i get it it is it is hit or miss but i will tell you this our neighborhoods i just don't go to anymore in san diego just because i've gone over there and it's just there's like 50 house community sale and still you don't find anything, which is kind of wild. So anything else going on? No. That, that Sales was, uh, okay? Yeah, they're they're slow, super slow right now. Okay. I mean, I took, I took pretty much a week off, which I think, you know, that slows you down. I haven't been listing as much as I'd like to be listing. So slow, sales are slow, but that's all right. Because again, I'm at a place where I'm making the amount I need every month. I don't yeah. actually really need any. This is, this is, supplemental yeah inside yeah that's good but but uh i know that if i ramp it up i mean sales will come in i'm just at a place right now where yeah sales are sales are well and that's what i love about reselling and that's what i love about just selling on ebay and so on like you could take a week or two off and sales will still come through it won't be as much but you can always rebound it right and so you can spend that quality time with your family and then go you know i'm gonna take a break for now and i had actually mentioned this in our discord uh, when I had mentioned, here, here's some things I learned by the way, and I'll talk about more of what I learned, but what I shared on Discord was, uh, one, we can get caught up so much in hustle culture. Like I came back and I was listening to some YouTube and, uh, you know, a few other people commenting on, on you know, their reselling and so on. I'm hearing people still talking about 14, 15, 17 hour days that I'll never work for anybody again. I'd rather work, you know, 18 hour days and I, I won't. Like I won't go 18, 17. Now, don't get me wrong. There are moments where I've had to work those kind of hours. Maybe things got really slow or maybe I wanted to make enough amount of money to be able to, you know, go sourcing more, maybe all those different things. But for me, you're better off just going to nine to five and getting benefits and and just answering to somebody, you know? Uh, The other thing is eBay is not passive. I don't care what anybody says eBay is not passive unless you somehow hire enough employees where they source and they pack and they ship and they list. It's not passive because I went away for five days and I had, you know, a great amount of sales and I explained why, but it was the, the day after I got back was just miserable. Like I got back on a Thursday evening and on Friday I was going to, my plan was to have everything packed and drop off at the post office by the afternoon just didn't happen. There was just so much. I wish I extended out my, my time to the weekend. So I had the weekend, but it did push me to get things, you know, packed and shipped uh, in time. Now my sales continued strong. And, and here's a few things I did compared to last time. Last time I put my store on vacation mode and I just let it be. And I thought, Oh, with this new eBay tool, things are going to go well. It didn't go well. Like it was really rough. This was back in April uh, when I went up to the Bay area and so this time I was like, all right, I'm going to do things differently. So I did put my store on vacation mode, but I also created a 20% coupon. And I think I had like some coupon code, like 
away on vacay, 20% or something like that. Mm. And so I let, you know, I, I made it a public coupon too. So before I didn't have a coupon, uh, when I sent a coupon, sometimes it would be, you know, the private coupons where you can just send them out to individuals that have purchased from you before. Uh, but this time I just made it a public coupon that goes on the site. And it basically says, you know, while I'm away, you can make some deals and, you know, well, and, you know, I'll make money while I'm gone. I, I didn't put a message like that, but that was my mentality. And uh, it worked. Now, the interesting thing is this. A lot of people did not use the coupon. It's wild because the coupon's public. So every single one of your listings, when you have a public coupon, tells you use coupon to get an extra percentage off. And some people just don't. They just buy it outright. I'm not sure. So is it like how? I haven't seen it from the, the customer side. Is it like on Amazon when you buy an item and it's like clip coupon and you just click the correct? Thing? Or do they have to go into your store and find the item from your store? Can they just search an item? Pull it up. No, it says it. A- it says it on the item. Like my co- coupon code was like away on vacay or something. It said right on top of the item for an extra 20% off use coupon code away on vacay. Hmm. And people just didn't. Interesting. I can't explain why, but they just didn't. And on top of that, I also had a 30% off sale. So technically people could get the items that I had for 50% off what I had them listed at. Now I always list higher to kind of give me some negotiation room if I ever throw a sale or I get offers, but yeah, the sales kept kicking in. Now, the other thing I did is I purposely sourced a week before items that I could quickly take a picture of and have in a Dropbox or, you know, I don't do drafts. The reason I don't do eBay drafts is because sometimes drafts tend to disappear from eBay. Um, a lot of you will probably comment on that. It's happened to you. I don't know why that happens. Uh, so I'll just take pictures and I'll put them up on my Dropbox. And then wherever, wherever I'm at, I'm able to make listings. So I made enough where I could list 10 to 15 items a day. And I do think that just kept the momentum flowing. So I might may have not been able to ship anything, but doing 10 items and it was easy. It was a bunch. I had a bunch of vintage Atari games that I had sourced. So it literally took me probably two to three minutes to list. So I would spend an hour a day just listing and that was it. And I go about the rest of my day on vacation. So I do believe it kept things moving. So it was really good. And so I didn't, I didn't miss a beat. No summer slowdown, (laughs) hopefully uh, at all this summer. Things have been good ever since the beginning of June. Uh, And I had mentioned last podcast, June was my best month since, uh, you know, mid 2020 when we had that surge in sales uh, because no one could go out and buy now, the other thing I did notice when I was out there sourcing, I was out in the Midwest, I was in Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, was that, uh, man, thrift store prices are the same out there as they are here. It's disheartening. It is disheartening. And I do have a whole section on that later on here. But, you know, it just it's one of those things where you just, I realize I'm not going to go to the store that shall not be named. And I went to some, you know, mom and pop stores and I found some good deals. Right. So again, it's about knowing where to source. And I would say every time I travel to these areas, because I have friends that I visit probably like once or twice a year, I get better at sourcing these areas because I recognize what stores to go to, what stores not to go to, uh, what areas are good to go to garage sales. You know, garage sales start out in the Midwest, like on Wednesday. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I, I could see how different areas could have different culture here where we are in the West Coast. You you really have to have two incomes in a house typically. Yeah. Whereas maybe if you're in the Midwest, you've got real estate's cheaper, overheads cheaper. There's probably more single income families. And so there's more people who could do midweek garage sales, stuff like that. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that could be one, one element. I'm not saying that's the only one, but that, that just shows how like geographical location can have different cultures that could impact why one place has Wednesday garage sales while another place has only Saturday, Sunday garage sales. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So my recommendation is if you ever go on vacation, okay. A lot of people have discussed this in Instagram too. We've talked back and forth is one, make sure you have a sale going on in your store. Make sure that you you provide some kind of coupon. I think that definitely helps because you know, people will read the sellers away, but if they see that there's a coupon during that time, it might spur other people to buy. And, And at the same time, have some way of continuing that listing, even if it's just five items a day. But that's what I mean. eBay is not passive. With Amazon, Amazon's passive. If I send a bunch of stuff into the Amazon warehouse, 
you know, obviously that's not passive, but during vacation it's passive. I don't have to think about it. It just gets shipped out, which I've done before this year. I was more eBay focused. So, so that's pretty much it. As far as my update, I mean, sales were, were amazing. Uh, sourcing opportunities continue, continue. I have to, and Mike, Mike, and Mike hasn't mentioned this, but right now we're in the studio and we're surrounded by inventory. Uh, and not only in the studio, in the other eBay room, now it's, it's extended into my dining room. I just, I had lesson to everyone. Do not have a huge hall before you leave for vacation because you'll come back to that huge hall everywhere. That's what's happened. The nice thing is you come back knowing you've already got sourcing taken care of and then you can settle into some listing. The problem is you don't want to list it. You just want to go source it again. Yeah, That's the problem. You have to do what's most important. Oh, one more thing that I do want to add is I recognize the difference between listing antique or like older stuff you don't know about and listing the stuff that you always source. Because part of that haul, which I am grateful, it was such amazing stuff. But it takes a lot of time for me to list some of these items. I'm looking at two vintage like green lamps right now. And they're probably worth three to four hundred dollars. But I don't know anything about them. There's no markers on them. There's there's no, I know they're old and I know they work, but I, like what keywords do I use and so on. So so always be aware that when you're sourcing, you want to source stuff. You want to have, you know, good antique stuff. That's fine. But realize that's going to take you longer to list. Unless that's your niche. Unless, Unless you it's your niche. Yep. I don't know if it's going to be my niche, but they were cool. I just, it's going to take me some time to list. So, all right. Any weird, weird or random stories? And not really weird, uh, random maybe. I think this is a good tip. So we talk a lot about being prepared when you go to garage sales, having the things that you're going to need. Sometimes that can be things like, do you have batteries? Do you have a, a, a cable to charge your phone? So that while you're driving from garage sale to garage sale, yeah. you don't end up losing battery because that's happened to me. It's happened to me where I've done garage sales all morning and then I go to some thrift stores and by the time I'm in the thrift store, it's like my phone is dying. So you want to have a charger for your phone, various things, right? To make your experience easier. You end up putting together like a little kit as it were. Well, one thing that I've never had, and I don't, I don't know why it took me so long to do this. So being the thrifty guy that I am, I drive a very old car. It's 1999. Uh, it's a Toyota 4Runner, which the 99 4Runner, third generation 4Runners are, are actually really trendy. People like that that year, that model. It's like a beast of a car. It should last forever, but it's old and it doesn't have all the cool features of, of, of a new car. And so I don't have the built-in dash with the maps and I could have put one of those in, but I haven't yet. And one of the things that's a bummer is when I'm going from garage sale to garage sale, and I'm using my phone as my map. It's often just my phone is sitting on my lap because I have my part of my wallet attached to my phone. So it doesn't have the magnet thing that connects to the dash or anything like that. So always looking down and constantly when you're trying to figure out, is it a left up here? Which street is it? And I'm looking down kind of dangerous. And then you're moving. Just get one of those things you hook up to the vents. Well, I love having cold air blow on me. So I don't want. No, I get it. Vent. There's been times I'm like trying to root that thing off because it gets so hot. Yeah. So yeah, I instead, I, I ended up getting a thing that attaches to the windshield and then it's a little arm that comes and I could put my phone on it. Now, that seems silly. It's like, okay, is this really worth talking about? But I'll tell you what, if you don't have something like that, it made my garage sale experiences so much better. Being able to just have at eye level my map set up and I can just quickly look. All right. Turn left up here. Instead of looking down, oh, my phone slipped off my lap and I'm trying to dig for it. So little things like that, and maybe for you, it's, hey, I should get something like that, or maybe it's something else, but think about the problems, the most, the, the obstacles you run into when it's, whether it's garage sales or listing or packing, because even in our Discord, we have a lot of people who will give like packing tips. Hey, put a table and actually like put a ruler, set mm -hmm. it up and like tape it to the table or a uh, like a measuring tape, tape it to the table in both directions so you can just put the box right on there and you're not dealing with constantly moving around. Team out. Yeah. And so little things like that can make your life easier. So figure out what are your obstacles and what are the, uh, sometimes there's a simple fix that makes it easier. And so for me, man, just putting one of those little crane arm things that attaches to the windshield and my phone sits on there has completely revolutionized the way I'm going to be going to garage sales and uh super random, but man, it made a difference. Makes a difference. Sounds like you're uh, pushing another item. We're going to sponsor. 
Yeah, not a sponsor. No, no, it's not. Uh, I'm just joking. They are, there's tons of them on Amazon and a lot of them have bad reviews and some of them have decent reviews. I was expecting to be able to find like the perfect one and it took a while to get it to like actually attach, but whatever, it works and uh, I'm happy with it. So yeah, let us know in the comments below. Like what's what's the hack or little tip or trick that you've found that has made your sourcing or listing or shipping better for you? I agree. Now, I do want to uh, push our uh, Discord uh, before we move forward. And the reason I do is we get a lot of sponsorship. Well, we don't get a lot, but we get a handful of sponsorship deals. And recently, and I don't know if Mike and I have concluded on this, but I think we're going to pass on one just because. Oh, come on. I, I don't think it's our brand. I, I don't I don't know if it fits our brand. So it's it, think about if you can use a school shaver somewhere else. And that's all we're going to say. Okay, so it's that kind of item. So we strongly, strongly, strongly always say, listen, we want to make sure that we are sponsored by items that we believe in, items that we use on, on a regular basis. And so part of the problem with that is that we don't always get, you know, the time or the funding that matches up with the amount of time that we spend on the podcast or on the equipment. And so... This is why we have our Patreon, right? It used to be buy me a coffee. Now it's Patreon. And one of the pluses, one of the major pluses of the Patreon uh, is that you get part in the Discord. Okay. So the reason I say this, I really, you know, want to, again, I want to, I want to just push and ask, you know, many of our listeners, Hey, if you haven't had an opportunity and you really enjoyed this podcast, right? We're on episode 301 and you've listened since episode one and, and it's helped you in any way. Strongly encourage you to help us out, support us on uh, patreon.com slash podcast as part of our Patreon membership. It gets you access to the discord and hopefully other things uh, later on. Our content will always be free, has always been free and will remain free. But we always, you know, we want to improve the show. We want to bring out more episodes, but it does cost time, which costs money ultimately. And some of that money we can't even, you know, bring back, right? Because quality time with our family, there really isn't a cost to that, right? Quality time for our business there is. And and I would love to be able to spend more time on the podcast, but I also want to spend a lot of quality time, especially in the summer months uh, with with our families. And so really want to ask for your support on uh, Patreon again. Uh, go to the link below and uh, join the Discord of a thriving community. Uh, I was gone on vacation. I did not do much in the Discord for four or five days. And it was great to get back on the Discord and just see all these uh, very valuable conversations, all valued. No, no one's wasting anybody's time. You know, either people are talking about bolos, hustle of the week, uh, some hacks that, you know, they're sharing something that they learned. Uh, they're sharing something they wouldn't do again. It's uh, sharing reseller news. What encouraging one another, it is a thriving community. So jump on over uh, to our Patreon, go to the link below and uh, definitely help us out for uh, less than 18 cents a day. Yeah. All right. So uh, random story. So I don't know how random this is, but uh, I'm finding myself saying no to a lot more things. Say no. The more you can say no in your life, the happier you're going to be. I promise you that. I don't know. My, my, you are hardcore on the nose. It is. Learning to say no is so powerful. Now, this can impact a lot of things. Some, a lot of times it's business. It can be your personal life. But if it's not, I think I heard it said one time, if it's not like a heck yes, then it's a heck no. <laughs> you know, if you're not 100% this is a great idea. This is going to make my business better. This is going to be good for my family. This is going to be good for, uh, this is going to turn a good profit. This is going to be a good learning experience. I'm doing this. If somebody says, Hey, can you do this thing? Or I've got this opportunity. And if you're like, eh, I don't know, then it's a no, because you only have so much time. And it's saying no to items is a big thing because if you say no to an item, that means you're actually going to have the time you need to list the things you have, learn the niches, niches that you're in, Source the things you know you can source. And sometimes you end up with death piles because you don't know how to say no. Yeah. So I really want people to think about the no's. So for example, I was at a garage sale and somebody was selling uh, one of those holiday train sets, which I've talked about before. I usually make five to $600 on each of them. And somebody was selling them for $125. Now, Orlando of episodes one through 200 would have been like, oh, that's a, that's a deal. Like I can 3X my money, 4X my money, but I didn't pick it up. 
And the reason I didn't pick it up is one is the time it takes. So picking up one of those takes me about two hours. I have to set it up. You have to get the electrical like movement in the on the track or on the circuit, whatever, just right, or it's not going to work. And then you have to shoot a video for it, right, to put it on eBay to sell it faster. So I the last time I had one of these, it took me 45 minutes to eventually get it right. And granted, when it sells, I'm going to make four or $500. But to me, I could find 10, 20 more items that will take me a quarter of that time and make the same amount of money. So think about when you're sourcing now, what can you say no to? Now that you know more, you've been reselling for a while or, you know, you were new two years ago, but now you kind of, you know, you kind of figured out what you want to sell, what you don't want to sell. Think about which items you want to say no to. Right. Harley. I'm, I'm going to, it's going to get controversial here for me because I love selling Harley. And when I was in the Midwest, there was a lot of Harley shirts, but I said no to probably 80% of them. And why? Well, because the Harley market isn't what it used to be. You used to back in the day, be able to sell a Harley shirt easy, 30, 50 bucks. It didn't have to say anything on it. It could just say, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin and have a motorcycle and you'd sell it for 30 bucks. Now it's has to be vintage. Uh, now it has to have, uh, you know, kind of certain locations. Like I know, like if it's Black Hills or Sturgis, you know, Maui, like those cities tend to sell better, right? If you get one that's like, I don't know, Yakaipa, California, like there's not going to be a lot of people looking for that shirt. And so I turned away a lot. I said, no, I could have came away with 20 shirts, but it would have been 20 shirts. That I probably would have sold on one, not for five, six dollars. Yeah. So I decided not to. So, you know, I just encourage you guys as you begin to develop what you're good at what you like sourcing, what you like listing also begin to develop what you're going to say no to in the future. Uh, so you already have that conviction before you go in that I'm not going to do this. Now, I did leave my card with the trained person. And I said, hey, if you're ever willing to sell this to me at a price that's like, I just want it gone, let me know. And they're like, all right, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you a call. Thank you for letting me know. And then the sad part was after they're like, it's too bad you didn't catch me two weeks ago when I had a whole house full of stuff. Mm. Like, thanks. But anyways... Always have a business card. So that is my random stories. Nice. All right. Um, hey, listen, uh, I just want to front load this American Bubble Boy. Okay. If you have not purchased from American Bubble Boy, they are still the best price. Listen, we've had inflation. I think uh, I'm going to predict inflation is at 8.8% before the CPI report comes out. Now, by the time this episode drops, the report already came out, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be at 8.8%. And despite all the inflation, American Bubble Boy has not raised their prices. Right. Impressive. So it's technically you're getting close to a 10% discount. I mean, if we go by what inflation really is, you're probably getting like a 15% discount. Yeah. Your bubble wrap is actually getting cheaper. It is. It is. So hopefully Joel, the owner of the company is not listening to this podcast, but go get that deal. Go to AmericanBowboy.com via our link because it also helps us out. Uh, we get the affiliate, you know, kickback and it also helps you out. So uh, check them out. Uh, the recycled uh, bubble wrap is actually pretty good. It's just the same as the other bubble wrap and it's cheaper. So uh, check them out, American Bubble Boy. And as always, if you're not following us on social media, we are Pierce of Podcast on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. I think TikTok, is TikTok going away? Like I kind of stopped posting on TikTok because there was talk about, I think somewhere in the government, they're asking for it to be removed from the Google and Apple store. I don't know. Who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? There's some crazy cons- I want to. I wish we could do just a conspiracy episode, not recently related. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. We've already been accused though <laughs> of being off topic too much. So Maybe, maybe that's what, uh, cause all of our reselling content's always free. Maybe we need to have like a, uh, uh, an after hour show where we talk about things not related to reselling that people can, uh, listen into. That would be, that would be interesting. That would, cause you know, that would not, that would end up making it out there somewhere. And it would be like on social media, like Mike and Orlando are conspiracies, you know, like this is what they believe. Yeah. And they would take like, they would take a sound bite. Next thing you know, like it would, it, yeah. Just, Can you believe what they're putting in the water? Oh, you just never going, know. We're not going there. All right. Anyways, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, PureSocast, which is no longer owned or will be owned by Elon Musk. So that's an interesting one. See, I'd love to talk about that. Did you hear about that? Well, he's backing out. He backed right. out of the deal. And then he made like this meme. Yeah. Or where it was like, 
It's a great meme. It was a great meme because he's like, oh, eBay, uh, Twitter, eBay. What if he buys eBay? But that he, if Twitter goes to court to make him close the deal, then all the bots are going to have to come out. They're going to have to disclose it. Yeah. yeah. The meme essentially was, I wanted to buy Twitter. They wouldn't, they didn't want me to. I bought Twitter or now I'm backing out of buying it. They don't want me to back out. Uh, so they're forcing me into court and it's like now all of the, all of the bots are going to be found in discovery. So he potentially, this is potentially what could happen. The price. And again, okay, we're not going to talk about this, but we're going to talk about it. We are talking he, about he it. He could, he could basically the price is just going to keep crashing as this whole thing is just a mess. And so his Twitter price just drops and drops and drops and drops. If the court rules in his favor, uh, and the, the the stock price dropped significantly. He can end up buying for pennies on the dollar. He basically came in at a price and it was like, you know what? It's almost like a, the perfect negotiation. Genius. Hey, I want to buy this thing. And they're like, sure, we'll buy it. Oh, you know, what? it's actually pretty messed up. Uh, now nobody wants it. Uh, you're going to have to sell it to me for like half price. And, uh, and you know, hey, it, if it works, it works for him. So we'll see. And how do we, oh, we, oh, cause we're on Twitter. Yeah. You so, can follow us on Twitter. Socast. We don't really post there tons, but we do. We do. There. We post consistently. We don't interact on there. That is true. We don't tweet. Yeah. We don't tweet. We're tweeters. All right. <laughs> you can always give us a call. 619-738-1170. 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email. Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, appreciate all the iTunes reviews. Thank you for those of you that go and give us five stars and kind of detail why you enjoy the podcast. And last of all, if you're listening to the podcast and you just want to see what we look like so you can wonder who to be mad at, uh, go over to YouTube, Podcast. Smash that like button, subscribe, and hit that bell notification. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. Well, we got it. We got we got some recently topics here. Let's do it. Did I skip something? Nope. Okay. It's been a while. I told you. Things are happening in the reselling world. Goodwill. Is it really goodwill? eBay Open has a hybrid version, and eBay selling more spoils. This and more on. Reselling topics. All right. Hey, eBay Open, they're actually making kind of a hybrid thing in September. I hate the word hybrid. Because <laughs> you're long, in education yeah. and you hear it all the time. We've done hybrid for too long. I don't. I don't. Okay. But here's the deal. September 21 through 23, or 23rd, whatever it is, they are doing an eBay Open. So what this means is... I'll read this. This is from eSeller365. says, a hybrid format is planned by eBay this year to connect, educate, inspire, celebrate its seller community. Uh, thousands of sellers are expected to show up, blah, blah, blah. eBay says that sellers can pick and choose from an agenda featuring three half days of fundamental and advanced training sessions, seller-led and category breakouts, executive keynotes, fireside chat, seller discussion, networking, and more. And this year, eBay is adding eBay Open Studio in-person events. Sellers can join eBay staff live and in person on September 23rd in New York, Austin, and Los Angeles. So this is like, it's online, but there's a couple places where you hey, can go on one it's day a, it's and a actually start. talk to some people. I know. Should they have the big event? Yes, they should. I'm going to LA though. I'll be there. I know you you have to teach classes the next day, yeah. so you can't make it, but I will be there. Look forward to seeing many of you there. Uh Last time they did the LA thing, it was pretty awesome. Nice. I mean, that was, I think that was our first year of the podcast. But anyways, I encourage you guys uh, just to go there, whether you go meet people live, which I think if you're able to now, yeah, it's New York, Austin, Los Angeles. So they're like major urban centers. It's not going to be like in Tulsa, Oklahoma or something. But uh, the networking, uh, this is what Mike and I said. Would you agree with this? Last EV Open, we learned far more from the Times outside of seminars and keynotes than we did at the seminars and keynotes. Yeah. You're going to pick up a couple of things at during a speech or during a keynote. However, meeting with people, talking with people, passing your business card to somebody and then chatting with them another time about their business model, especially because a lot of times it's, it's really not competition you're dealing with and learn some strategies. Yeah. That's been the most beneficial for sure. Yeah. So definitely uh, check it out. It's a, uh, a registration opens up July 20th. You may have received an email like they, they chose certain people to register early to, you know, I don't know if it's because you've been to an event before. I do wonder. Nah, I hope one day they do it again where like if you go to the event, you get concierge. 
Like, that would be like nice. check that out because if that's an option, if you go to like a live event, it may be worth it. I don't think eBay is offering that, uh, but it's it's one way to get that specialized service. So uh, I'm hoping eBay open now. By the way, I haven't talked about this with Mike, but we, Mike and I, are planning a, a seller meetup in the fall. Are we? We are. Okay. Okay. So so stay tuned for that. Like in real life, like real people, like you'll be able to shake hands with people and talk to people in real life. And uh, people have asked us on the, on the DMs, like, is this going to be in San Diego or LA? It's probably going to be another in between so we can make people from both regions or even may- maybe it should be somewhere in between. Is there anywhere between San Diego and Phoenix? We should just be in San Diego. We are located in San Diego. People can come here. I know, but I want to make it, you know, so a lot of people can show. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll just make it in San Diego. Now, venue is important. So if we can get a really good venue in San Diego, we're probably going to go the San Diego route. See, we're having these business meetings right here. Yeah. Probably not the best, the best <laughs> business model is to have your business meetings public. Uh, but, you know, we, we're real. But we'll throw it out there. If, if there's any companies that are listening to our podcast and you want to sponsor uh, the meetup, you know, give some freebies, you know, and so on. We're open to it. Let us know. So, all right. Now, the next thing is, uh, I thought this was interesting. I'm not really sure how to relate this to anything that's applicable, but this was kind of strange. You know, we always want to talk about weird stories. So I guess in Ukraine, war spoils are being sold. Like literally like you can go like, so there's a whole story. This is from uh, the daily beast and there's, there's soldiers that are just selling like, here's a Russian pair of boots and it's from a soldier. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to think about that. Or they're selling, uh, you know, here's a, uh, here I'll, I'll, I'll look at one of the eBay listings. So this was a uniform, good condition, not worn for long smiley face. Here's what I find hard about that is, and I get that there's support, you know, people want to show support for Ukraine. However, you got to ask like, if this was, if the yeah. listing was the other way, if the listing was a, a person from Russia listing something saying, Hey, here's a Ukraine soldier, uh, uniform, not worn for long. That would be, that would be pulled. A hundred percent would be pulled. Dr. Seuss was pulled. Yeah, it would be pulled. No questions asked. But th- but then to allow something else, it's like, all right, like, where's the fairness there? So I think it's strange. I, I get why people would be into that. But I can't imagine that eBay, for the sake of publicity, would allow that to happen for long. So if that's happening... This new story, this report's like three weeks old. It's crazy. Like, here, look, here's a, uh, here's a Russian-Ukrainian war trophy battle belt for $300. And look, and look at the location. That's Ukraine. I, I don't even know. I'm sure somebody from me, I'm sorry if our podcast is the reason all these get pulled. But I just, I thought it's interesting because eBay goes after some of the most benign things sometimes, right? right? Some things is valid. A lot of things have been valid, especially in the last two years. But sometimes it goes after, you know, you get Vero's and you're like, what? What was going on? Like, I don't even just check it out. Oh, this one got pulled. Okay. So that one got pulled. So some, some maybe right some now, some are being pulled. Some are being pulled, even though we haven't published this podcast. They're being pulled at the moment. But uh, I doubt our podcast is going to make any influence on that uh, if there's already a news article about it. Now, it says here it's all permitted for sale under eBay's military items policy. So this is how I, I relate it to reselling, which excludes weapons, explosives, and certain types of body armor. However, Pro Putin items are now prohibited as are those with the Pro Putin Z symbol. An eBay official told the Daily Beast. So eBay did get political in this. Yes, they right. taking a stand, saying one side, not the other. So for $123 plus $16 shipping, an eBay vendor who goes by blah, 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 will send you a modern Russian soldier's military travel kit. Inside, you can watch what Russian soldiers use in the field. There's a separate soldier's life inside. As you see, some items were used. The torch is the torch works. It's fantastic. I don't know. I just feel uneasy about this, man. Like, yeah, it's very, it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Look at this, a uh, short range cruise missile. Okay. Anyways, but that, that didn't make it. That was, uh, oh, it parts to a short range cruise missile. Okay. So 
Anyways, if you're selling military, um, you know, military gear, be aware that you look at their military policy. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it just seems so strange with this happening now. Like, I understand why it would be interesting for somebody, a historian, to buy something from World War II, World War One. Hey, I want to, I own actually a couple of of gun holsters that I got at a at a, a church rummage sale from World War II. And they're pretty neat. And I, I don't know all the backstory behind them, but I can imagine, you know, having various items from, a, you know, a German helmet or a French, you know, lighter or various things from the war would be very cool to have as a historian to be able to display and to talk about. But like an ongoing event with with people who are like currently like there's lives being lost. It just seems it seems unwise for it to be done. Now, I understand, though, maybe eBay's thinking if it's Ukrainian businesses or Ukrainian people selling these things, then this is a way of showing support, letting them make some money off of this. I don't know. It just seems, it seems tut- like, I don't know. That's pretty dark. Well, we just I'll give one more. Here's a, here's a hatch battle relic, Russian invasion, trophy spoils of war. Like that, those are key words that are being used. And it's a hatch from a Russian tank. I don't know. Should I, should we just remove this from the podcast, this segment? I know. I mean, I think it's fine. Cause I, I, I mean, neither of us are saying it, like trying to say we, we understand all that's behind this decision. It just, I, maybe some of it I understand with the, okay, if it's like a piece of something, but some of it looks pretty dark. I don't know. Maybe, maybe those are just one-off examples. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess eBay, everything. I guess eBay's policy is if, if it's not a weapon, it's okay. I mean, that's what, that's what I just read earlier. So, so anyways, there's yeah, that. There you go. All right. Well, for us worth that, that's a reseller topic. All right. Hey, I thought this was interesting. So this comes from a uh, bitsitch.com, uh, which uh, is run by Drew. Uh, and I always mess up his name and I don't want to mess up his name, uh, but he, he was able to get one of the, um, so I'm going to say his name. Hopefully I didn't mess it up, but it is uh Drew. Hi, Fitz. I hope I didn't mess it up. I'm sorry, Drew. I know you listen to the podcast and we're hoping to have you on sometime soon, but he did a great job and he, uh, Goodwill reached out to him and it's, and it's on his, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and I'll, I'll share that here in a moment. Uh, but I thought he, I thought the interview was pretty interesting. He was able to get one of the Goodwill execs, uh, for an interview. And as part of this interview, uh, he was able to ask a lot of questions that I think a lot of us have. So th- have so this is on the F as in Frank YouTube channel, uh, and it's a pretty long interview. It's over an hour, and so I listened to it and I just there's a few things I pulled away from that I, I thought would be good for discussion and just to point out. Uh, so again, check out uh, Drew on F as in Frank on his YouTube channel, and I didn't know so Goodwill has a hun- there's 156 different Goodwill like CEOs. Or like VPs or so on. So they all are independent of one another. So remember last episode update, we talked about War Not Wasted, the new Goodwill, like reselling site, the platform. So that's just for the Gulfstream area of Florida. That's it. Like one region. One region. So the other 155 are not doing that. Now, it might extend to that. Okay. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, they mentioned, so this guy. It's almost like a franchise of nonprofits. Kind of, but it's still, there's no, like they have their own board, they have their own CEO, but like they must have some kind of centralizing. Yeah, it, 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 there, well, there is a central. But that's why, like, when we, when people in LA are like, oh, it's Red Tag Day. And we're like, what? Like, we've never had sales here. Yeah, what's a, what's a Red Tag? So that kind of explains things. Uh, there's some interesting th- things here. So the VP, uh, Kevin Bender, uh, had, you know, answered these questions. And this might, you know, bother some of you, but I thought he did a really good job. I, and again, I don't think Goodwill will ever allow somebody to publicly speak unless they believe that person is not going to say something that's going to hurt the company, right? So you got to understand that. But there's a few things in here that, again, I, we've been saying this for a while, uh, but I, you know, we give Goodwill a bad name a lot, and I and I still believe that I don't think they should have the high prices that they do. But I can't necessarily point out to you as to it being something wrong. I just don't agree with it. I don't know if that makes sense. Like something might not be wrong and you not, might not be okay with it, but it, uh, but it doesn't mean that they're doing something inherently evil. Right. So it's just, as the Godfather would say, it's just business. Yeah. 
right? So one thing that was interesting, you know, he, he was asked, you know, well, how come you're making all this money on all your donations are free? And he brought up the idea that donations aren't necessarily free because they still have to hire people to sort them. They still have to list them. They still have to put them on the rack and so on. I thought, okay, there's a lot of overhead. I get that. Uh, the other thing, this was interesting. So in this area, they actually appeal to resellers. So they have this membership program called the good deal neighbor or good membership, whatever. And you pay $25 for the year and you get 25% off each purchase. And they have 53,000 members. Is that only for like one of the 156 regions? Has that available? Yes. Right there. So I thought that was interesting because I, you know, a lot of us, you know, in the recent community are like, you know, uh, eBay, <laughs> Freudian slump. Uh, Goodwill does not recognize that resellers are a major part of their business. And I would argue, I think they do. I think they know. Right. And, and tied to that, tied to that was, you know, he was asked about their pricing and he said, the price is set by the consumer, which we've always mentioned that we're not shocked that the store should not be named or any of these stores would price things high. They're, they're businesses. And yes, they may be nonprofit, but they count on those profits to provide the programs. Now, Mike might have counters to a lot of what I'm saying here, which I 100% invite. Uh, but he had mentioned the fact that he's not going to sell an item that's worth $3. I mean, that's worth, excuse me. He's not going to sell an item that's worth $75 for $3 that there is an in-between, right? Where they can make profit. And they, he had mentioned the fact that sometimes people donate and they're like, I hope you get good money for this. So like, it, it makes sense to me. And again, I've always said, if you don't like Goodwill, then just don't go there. And I don't go there, right? Because I'm not a fan of their pricing, right? And I don't think they have any responsibility to resellers at all to lower their prices. Right now, if we were in some kind of socialist, communist society and the only way, you know, we could make a living was by going via goodwill and sourcing from there, then then there's an argument to be made. But we live in a capitalist society where there's plenty of other opportunities for us to go and source. And if we don't want goodwill to keep doing this, then we need to stop buying. But obviously, if there's 53,000 people signed up for that membership, obviously, there's still people making money. Right. And we ourselves as resellers do the same. Right. We might source something for five dollars and sell it for several hundred dollars. And we're not gonna go like, ah, you know, I I kind of want to price this fairly. Right. The fair price ends up being the price that somebody pays. Right. Cause it's a, there's there's a relationship between the buyer and the seller. And you know, he had mentioned, you know, he had said, Hey, vintage shirt dealers, they'll sell a shirt for a thousand dollars that they get for a dollar. Like how, you know, how's the difference? Now there is a difference in that they're a nonprofit right. and they are providing, you know, programs like this one. They actually have like a charter school and they have uh, employment agencies and they hire a lot of people and so on. So all, all that revenue is to go back into that. And then they have overhead, they have to pay for leadership and so on. So what are your thoughts here? It's, it's tough. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to admit that I'm ignorant to all that goodwill does so i can't make a clear defined here's my argument that goodwill is bad because they don't do enough i don't know enough of what they do and i'm sure they do do a lot of good things however that being said i know that the argument that is made and 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 i definitely sympathize with is we could say that they're nonprofit because they help give people who need jobs a job and they do some other things too but so do so many other companies. Like I think of another company, McDonald's. McDonald's hires a lot of people who maybe would have a hard time getting hired at other places. Okay, It's a good first entry level job, on the job training. I worked at Joanne's Fabric when I was in high school and we had programs there set up where they were hiring people who were very handicapped and special needs and they needed extra supports and we worked with a company to help them. So a lot of companies do these things. McDonald's is going back to that example has its own program set up to get their employees into colleges. They have programs set up to, so kids can go to hospitals, right? They have the whole Ronald McDonald's. So there are a lot of for-profit companies that have, that do good things, that do lots of mm -hmm. things for the community that have, they're connected to the community. They do things for schools, but they're paying taxes and they're not getting their stuff for free. 
Whereas a company like Goodwill almost gets to do the, hey, I don't have to pay any of the taxes on this stuff and we're getting the stuff for free, but I'm going to treat this company like a business and I'm going to get all of, I'm going to do run it like a business, get all the benefits of a business while having all the benefits of a nonprofit. But shouldn't every business basically run things for their stockholders, right? Because well, there shouldn't be stockholders. Well, not stockholders, but stakeholders. But whatever it is, they need to serve the best interests of the company okay. to therefore help the community. I, I I agree with that, and I do think that they should run. They should run it like a business. They should be successful. They should be doing. It's just tough when it when you look at how much more is Goodwill doing for a community than let's say McDonald's. McDonald's doesn't get to be nonprofit, okay, but they do. Uh, so, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the end all be all. And I do think that Goodwill does a lot of good things. So please don't say that. I, I don't think they do. And I, I understand what they're doing. They're trying to make money. They're trying to sell things for, for decent profit. So it's fine. I just, I don't get to be nonprofit because you know, my money, even goes, though my money goes to help my family and it my, goes kids to my family and, and yeah, my yeah, kids got agreed. medical condition and he, you know, so, so I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't I get to be saying. nonprofit. Okay. They get to be nonprofit. So, and I'm not, it's not just like an envy, like this isn't fair, but there, there is that side of what, what makes a nonprofit, how should, and I do think nonprofits should be ran well. They shouldn't be ran poorly. They should run, use business principles. So it's tough. It's tough to say what is, what's right. I'll give you an example of what makes me more frustrated than Goodwill in that sense. Cause this isn't just me saying, Hey, Goodwill's bad and McDonald's is great because the opposite is true where, I mean, I've been at a well, McDonald's could sell their food for cheaper to help out more people. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I, I think that's an interest. That's a totally different thing. So, okay, all right, all but right. what bugs me is when I'm okay. So I was at a movie theater one time, and somebody walks in with like a, oh, a bowl, right? Like, get, all right, we're gonna do this thing. We're doing this yes, thing now. Where we're raising money, money yeah. for oh, it's you know, this charity, this whatever it is. And what they do, and or if you go to um, Target or whatever, and they would you like to donate to this thing or donate? When you do that, what a lot of these companies will do is they take your money that's a donation. Then they donate that money supposedly and basically on your behalf, but they're donating it from their company, from Regal movie theaters or from Target, and they get the tax write-off for it. They get the tax break for the money you've donated. Mm -hmm. So they get to say, Regal movie theaters has donated $120,000 in the last year to these, whatever, and they're writing all that off. And it's your money that you're giving to them. Now you're just using Regal as an example, but yeah. I'm using Regal yeah. as an example, right? But and the other part that annoys me about that, this is not going to be a rant session, is that those movie theaters charge obnoxious prices for all kinds of stuff, kind of like Goodwill does, right? But it doesn't matter. I'm, I totally understand that if a, if people are willing to pay it, they're going to pay it. So it's it's okay, an obnoxious, okay, it's okay. only an obnoxious price. I'm just asking the questions. But think about it. It's if, if, if they were overcharging for everything at the movie theater and it's easy to complain man movie theaters cost too much popcorn twelve dollars for a little thing of popcorn yeah, that's it, it is pretty wild but if nobody bought it if everybody went to the movies and everybody yeah. said that's too expensive they would lower their prices but the fact of the matter is it's not too expensive you can complain about it and say it's it stinks that i'm paying this much for popcorn but when i go to the movies I'm buying a soda and I'm buying popcorn. Even if tickets for me and my wife ends up being 60 bucks because we decided we we're doing this for a date night. And so enough people are doing that. They don't have to lower their prices. hundred percent. Well, that's where the customer demand comes in. That's exactly that's right. the price. So yeah, well, I'm in agreement with you. I just wanted to hear your thoughts, but there is one conclusion that came out through watching this. And I already had this conclusion that Goodwill will never be my supplier. Goodwill is my competitor. And I know that sounds terrible. But the reality is, is that as Goodwill now opens up a reselling platform, as Goodwill has very much stated that they are trying to get top dollar for all their items, I just got to see it as another competitor, right? That that's a competitor that you can source from. The, if you, you want, source from. if you want, I I I don't. I mean, I've I every once in a while I might go, you know, just for kicks. But if you've been listening to the podcast, I do not go to thrift stores. Especially not the chain ones, because to me, there's not much profit to be made by going into those stores. So let us know your thoughts. Interested in what people think. Did this change your perspective on Goodwill? Did, did Mike make a valid argument? Did Orlando make a valid argument? 
Are and we saying the same thing? And I don't, I don't know enough. I, I, I always get people who say like, I worked for Goodwill for you know X amount of time and they did this good thing and this good thing. So I get it. I, I'm not in the inner circle. I don't know. Goodwill may be doing plenty of great things. I just know I do a lot of good things with my money too. So. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, before we move on, uh, there is an amazing item, which I think is at a great price and that's a skull shaver. Uh, you know, I had to use it before the podcast today. It was great when I was traveling. It really helps you out, especially on a long day. You know, you're on a flight, you're, you know, you're flying for eight hours and then you're like, oh man, I look really torn up. I have to go see family. But if you have that school shaver, you can get the nice clean look. So uh, check out schoolshaver.com. Uh, link is below. Use our code hustle with the capital H uh, to get a special discount. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for our next segment here? Let's do it. Bolo, 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 bolo. What's your bolo? Bolo. All what, right. What is your bolo? My bolo, and this is one of the items that I picked up this week at garage sales, projectors. Really? Now, you have to be careful with projectors. Like anything else, you need to check, you need to look. However, projectors can be very valuable especially because people look for parts for projectors. So even if you've got a broken projector, people might be looking for bulbs. People might be looking for components and travel projectors can be very valuable. Now, one thing that I would suggest doing, obviously you got to look up comps. Does this projector sell? But most projectors, this is one of those items that I would ask somebody at a garage sale. You mind if I plug this in and test it Mm. and you can, pretty easily just on the inside of their garage, hold it up to their wall and you'll be able to get the menu screen on the projector. You should be able to see everything working. You might not have plug up all the connectors to it, but most projectors have something where you can find how many hours are on the bulb because that is key when it comes to sound projectors. If you can get a projector with a very low hours on the bulb, those projectors are going to sell for significantly more used on eBay than ones with a lot of hours on the bulb. So for instance, the person I bought from this last weekend, he used it for work. He would travel, he'd hook it up and he would do meetings once a week for a couple of years. So about an hour for once a week for a couple of years, that's like a hundred hours on this bulb. Hmm. Checked it. That's about how many hours are on the bulb. That's, that's not too bad when bulbs can go, you know, a thousand, depending on the bulb, depending on the brand, or more, a couple thousand hours. Now, if you find a projector and the bulb already has a couple thousand hours on it, might not be worth picking up. So just something to check out. But there are some projectors that are very, very valuable, especially because when it comes to, and you've done this before where you've bought out like schools closing down and things oh, like yeah, that, yeah. is schools, offices, a lot of times they want to keep the same stuff. They don't want to all of a sudden have a different type of projector in one room than all of the rest of the rooms. And so, or if somebody has one already and then it breaks, I know how this projector works. I want this one. So it's one of those things where people will keep with the one they know, as opposed to having 12 different types of projectors in their school with different problems that can go. And then the IT person has to know all these different things. So they'd rather just find a replacement for that exact one. So they can do pretty good. So projectors. So your bolo just changed my bolo because right now is the prime time for this bolo. Let's hear it. So VCRs or DVD VCR players, dual combos. And I, this is why school year is going to begin again. And what happens is you get a lot of new teachers, you get returning teachers and you know, they're going through their equipment and they're like, Oh man, like this isn't working. I really need one. Right. Where are they going to go? Well, you can't go to your Best Buy. You can't go to what other electronic stores are there? Target, Walmart. You can't really go anywhere and just buy a VCR anymore. Right. Especially you can't buy the dual ones, the ones with DVD and VCR. I love those because when I was a teacher, right, a lot of those videos I would show. And and I, I will say teachers, if you're using videos from the 80s that are garbage, it's probably time to update them. But sometimes there are those videos that are really good for the classroom that you can only air on on VHS. So, so for example, Eyes on the Prize. It's a civil rights documentary by PBS. Probably the best one out there. And it was made in the 70s. And you can get on Amazon, right? But if you get on Amazon, you have to pay per episode and so on. Or you have to sign up for PBS and you have to pay a fee, which it's kind of interesting that it's government funded, but you have to pay a fee to watch their videos. Anyway, that's a little random mind. But a lot of people have these VHS collections. I had these VHS collections and I always wanted to make sure 
that I could play them in my class. And the only way I could do that is by finding a VCR or a DVD VCR player. And so if there, if you have some laying around like Mike and I do, do you still have some laying around? Uh, maybe a couple. Okay. I have, I think I have like five and you haven't listed them right now is the time to list them. Because what happens is teachers have their new budgets. They kick in and you know, most places I know, like you have to, you know, spend money in that budget, right? Because if you don't spend the full budget next year, a good administration will say, yeah, you probably didn't need that much and they'll cut that budget. And so teachers are trying to spend upload, you know, and upload front load, they're expensive for supplies. And usually they're willing to pay more money uh, because it's, and I know it sounds terrible, but it's not necessarily their money, right? So when it's not your money, you're willing to spend a little bit more for things, right? So, and, or maybe companies or businesses, but so if you have those VCRs or those DVD VCR players right now is a time to list them. And so that is my bolo. Nice. All right. What are you looking forward to here? Um, nothing really like amazing. Just, uh, <laughs> just going with the grind. It's like the summer, like. That selling slowdown, but just it's summer, like chill, relax kind of time. Yeah, it's, you're trying to off, trying to decompress. I think Correct. might be the the term I'm looking for. Maybe what I'm looking forward to is I want to move forward with the PHP merch uh, over the next few yes. weeks. I want to really make some uh, inroads into that and have some PHP merch up soon, and then uh, maybe even kind of getting website semi running. So we don't really, we have a domain, but we hey, we've really been paying it for four years. Hey, it's like real estate. At least we have it. So it is worth money. We could sell it right now and make some money on it. Potentially, potentially, but I, you know, it's, it's worth more that we own it Correct. for our community. So maybe getting something up uh, a place a little bit easier for people to, to find some episodes and things like that. And maybe some articles that we could write. So looking forward to doing a little bit over the summer uh, to kind of get the episodes 300 through 400 kind of moving in the right direction. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm excited about about that. So, I mean, Mike and I, we're always talking about this, but it's just time. Time is just the difficulty, you know? It's difficult. Because we actually are resellers. (laughs) This is what I do for a living. All right. Now, I want to get caught up on my inventory. I have so, I have so much. I mean, I have like stuff could sell for good money, but it's just, just sitting there. I have probably 20 vintage cameras. I haven't even touched. I have slot car racing things. I have some rock band stuff out here. I mean, I have stuff I could make money on. I can flip right now and just sitting around. So I really need to sort through that, but here's what I'm looking forward to sourcing more. So if there's ever, I'm telling you the sourcing opportunities right now, I think they're going to be good probably for another year as the economy, you know, gets worse because people are going to try to offload stuff. And so if you position yourself in a good place and you keep yourself inventory light and cash heavy, you'll be able to get some really good stuff. And if you can't sell it right away, as things rebound, you'll be able to get more money for it. And so I'm just going to keep sourcing and sourcing and sourcing. So that's kind of where we're at. There you go. So Good stuff. All right. Hey, thank you all for tuning in. I feel like this episode, we were just trying to like, I don't know. I feel like we were disconnected for a while because we hadn't recorded for a while. What do you do, mean? Do, do you feel like we were, we were like smooth the entire time? Yeah, I feel like Yeah, you good. think we're still good? We still got that vibe? Episode 301. Orlando is really good at making something that wasn't awkward, awkward. I love, I love making people feel awkward. So like, this is a good episode, except for this is a really bad episode. We're sorry, everybody, if this episode, did this episode not come off pretty no, good? Listen, so this is a pretty bad episode, I'll guys. Awkwardness. I'm really sorry this is, about that. This is Orlando's like, quote of the episode. I don't know. This I is Orlando's quote of the they week. Said it was. Awkwardness is the bridge to communication. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. With that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling late. Peace.